I have sailed. I have moved about this world of ours, and ever in search of the finest of its kind, we bring you the tops in Audio Drama Networks. This is Mutual. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Chapter 17 Project Argent The door to my room opened suddenly, flooding the room with harsh yellow light. I closed my eyes on reflex, and when I opened them again, it was dark once more. The only difference was that I knew there was someone in the room with me. I could smell musk and cleaning chemicals. It made me think of my high school janitor, Mr. Foos. For the longest time, neither of us said anything. I wasn't in a panic, but I was very concerned that my visitor might turn out to be Hank the Pimp. Or Manager Jack. Eventually, I heard a voice. Smooth and elegant. Direct from Grandma's easy listening station. Hello, Miss Woodbine. A few housekeeping issues first. You are my prisoner. Not a guest, not a refugee. What you become in the next few days is entirely up to you. Be good and we might have a place for you here in the Down Under. If not, depending on how big a pain in the butt you prove to be, we may just have to up your medication to the point where you're more value as a once-was human being. Now... He stepped into the room a little more, but it wasn't enough to get a full picture. He thrust his hands into his pockets and continued as the door slowly closed behind him. You are in my office right now because we have no other place to put you. Since you are a clever girl, I've decided to drug you into submission rather than sit you in a locked office until we figure things all out. Please hum or grunt or something if you hear and understand me. I tried to give him a sincere suggestion to go sit on a Coke bottle, but I could only manage a gurgle and a cough. Excellent, he replied. The stuff making you goofy is a cousin of Ruffinol, which, at the present dose, makes you sleepy and makes your brain all marshmallowy soft and gushy. It can be a lot of fun, but I've had three of my workers abusing it, so I hope I don't have to keep you on it too long. In fact, it was much like an episode of Scooby-Doo. It was colorful and amusing, sometimes funny with moments of spooky thrills and gave me the munchies. It also made it hard to pay attention to my speechifying captor. I do not plan to hit you with another dose, he continued, unless you give me a reason. I understand repeated doses can start eating away at your brain. What else? As far as anyone up top coming to look for you... I'm sorry to report that you are officially deceased, as far as they are concerned. When the managers found out you were here, well, 
some of them want you to be dead for real. But I like smart people, and I consider your discovery of our operation to be useful to us. At his mention of being dead, I started drifting. I was dead? What did that even mean? If I was dead to everyone upstairs, they wouldn't look for me. Did that make this place hell? The drugs in my system muted my growing fears, but the implications were clear in my mind. Worse, I realized the growing pressure on my bladder meant I would have to communicate with this guy somehow, and soon. By the way, my name is Paul. Without revealing too much, I will just say that I'm the one person down here you do not want to upset or disappoint. I have all the keys to all the doors. Some doors just should not be opened. I thought I heard a knock at the door, weak as if afraid to disturb us. Paul kept talking in his light rock announcer voice until a second, louder round of knocks took his attention. Yes, he barked. Come in already. I tried to keep my eyes open this time and was rewarded by the image of a figure coming through the light toward me. In my weird brain state, I thought it might be the angel come to collect me now that I was dead. The door shut and the red-purple spots in my eyes kept me from focusing on anything. And then, I heard something wonderful. It's dark in here, said my red molly. So it is, Paul observed with a thick layer of condescension. Feel your way over to my desk and turn on the lamp, not the main lights. It's weird. Through all the things that should have gotten me excited or made me afraid, even the revelation that the world thought me dead, I was not moved to cry or leap from the bed. But four words from Red Molly electrified my entire body. I struggled to turn my head and follow the sound of her footsteps across the carpet. I tried to call out to her, but could only mouth the words, Molly, it's me! And I waited for the click of a switch that revealed those damned spots in my eyes. I tried to look around them, squint to see her face, but it took a while to adjust to the new light. Soon, though, there was my Molly in the glow of a shaded desk lamp. She looked at me, and I felt warm, felt good again. I think she saw my smile because her frightened expression warmed just a bit. I got to look into her eyes again and was glad to see her alive and unharmed. I was only aware that Paul had still been talking when he mentioned Molly's name. Molly and I both shifted our attention back to him. He was still in shadow near the door. You know Miss Molly, don't you, Jill? After all, she's why you're down here, isn't she? He didn't wait for an answer. Molly is one of our workers here in the Down Under. Until recently, she was our go-between. Maybe I should wait to explain all that when you're off the loopy juice. Molly was able to slip in and out of both worlds pretty much like a ghost for a long while. Of course, then you had to go raise a fuss about her going missing. 
Molly was bedside at that point, checking my sailing bag. With her back to Paul, she winked at me but maintained a stoic expression. She still looked haunted but seemed also at home with herself. She moved my head and looked over me carefully. I didn't know what she was looking for. Paul kept talking, but I was just so happy to feel her hands on me again. Her hand brushed my cheek, and I wanted to turn my head and kiss it. I didn't know how much Paul knew about, well, about us. I let the moment pass as Paul continued. Molly is also officially dead, so she's stuck down here with us, too. As a sort of prize for your curiosity and tenacity, she's going to be taking care of you until we figure out what to do with you. She'll be doing the cleaning and the feeding and whatever else you need. Consider it my apology for, well, how you got here. Molly's hand brushed through my dirty, tangled hair. She was close enough that I could whisper one word to her. I leaned in and I inhaled. Oh God, it was so good to be with her that close again. But I was sorry to spoil any magic of the moment by whispering my word. P? Paul left us alone. On his way out, he barked at Molly like some plantation master, which, of course, did not endear him to me. But he promised that I wouldn't be sedated again if I promised to be, quote, a good girl. I wanted to get a look at him, but as Paul opened the door to the hall, Molly filled my line of sight with the most wonderful, wicked grin. I lost all interest in my host and captor. She knelt down next to the bed so she could whisper in my ear. It's okay. He can be a dick, but he's really a good guy. He has to be tough on everybody because there's so much at stake. There was too much information coming at me at once, so I tried to get Molly to back up a bit to the basics. Where are we? This is the Down Under. I... I can't believe you came here after me, Jill. Why? Well, why not? M missed you. I wanted to tell her more, but I wasn't ready. I just enjoyed the moment. She wiped a tear from my cheek. She held my hand. She kissed my forehead softly and sat down beside me on the bed. Listen, she said, squeezing my hand to get my full attention. Things are a little complicated down here. It was the same expression I gave poor Kenny Carthizer before our uncomfortable talk. We're part of something called Project Argent. It stands for something, but Paul can explain it better than me. It's important. Just trust me, it is. What? Why are you hiding? I need you to promise me you'll behave, because if you cause problems, Paul will take it out on both of us. I'm responsible for you. Understand? Something came over her, and her eyes shifted to the darkness above my head. You should have let me go. Of course I should have, my mind wanted to say. But that's not what I heard you tell me. 
what I felt with you the night before you left. I was sure as anything I've ever known that you wanted me to come after you, to be with you. Why would you say otherwise now? What came out was, Yes, just glad you're okay. After, after, Jack. Molly cringed at the name. He was the last. I needed him to get my Bible back. I got in a shitload of trouble for it, but what's mine is mine, right? Now I have it, and I have you, silly girl. She kissed my forehead and folded my hands over my stomach before pulling my blanket back up, whispering about how cold it gets in the down under at night. There was more, but I drifted away, back to sleep. I dreamed of the dark corridor and the many doors leading to the truth about H.G. World and Project Argent, a truth built on a foundation of bodies stacked like firewood, put there by the pain virus, but also by the cruelty of humankind. There are many things that we can all do that may help stop the spread of the coronavirus. But one thing we can all do is to have a plan in case you do get sick. First, consult with your health care provider for more information about monitoring your health for symptoms suggestive of COVID-19. Second, stay in touch with others by phone or email. You may need to ask for help from friends, family, neighbors, community health workers, or more if you become sick. And finally, determine who can care for you if your caregiver gets sick. For more information, go to cdc.gov and be well, everyone. <laughs>